0: Hey guys, welcome back to the self confidence project. I'm your host, Kimberly Hill. And we're talking about all things, life, confidence, relationships, what gets you up in the morning, what doesn't get you up in the morning. That's what we talk about in this podcast. I'm super glad you're here. If you're the first time tuning in, subscribe to my channel, hit the like button, spread the love and, uh, looking forward to getting into another amazing episode with you guys today. So what are we waiting for? Let's get started. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Self-Confidence Project. I'm your host, Kimberly Hill, and I'm always excited to bring you another episode. Today we're going to navigate into some taboo territory. That is, I'm bringing on a guest to candidly and openly talk about men and masturbation. Okay, is it right? Is it wrong? Does it diminish your sexual wellness? Does it improve it? All of these things we're going to talk about today. But before we dive in, have you guys seen my new TikTok channel? (laughs) Because if you haven't, go take a look. I'm posting short videos multiple times a week, giving you guys dating and relationship advice, and you can check it out at The Self-Confident Project. Okay, so today I'm bringing on a guest and a friend, Devin Walker. Devin is a men's coach, a meditation guide, and a psychedelic integration specialist. His mission is to aid in the raising of human consciousness in order to help people come into alignment with their deeper purpose, joy, and connection with life. He's got a background as a strategic planning consultant, a social impact entrepreneur, and a leader of product teams in the tech industry. He studied meditation and yoga, psychology, business, and philosophy, He's also a passionate dancer, musician, and a waterfall seeker in his free time. Devin, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing
1: so good. Thanks, Kimberly.
0: <laughs> so um, uh, I'm, I'm good. Thank you. I know that you've just done a massively long drive from Vancouver over to Toronto. Are you feeling settled or are you totally discombobulated?
1: <laughs> uh, luckily, that went, I arrived a couple of days ago, so yeah. I've had a chance to settle in. My partner and I are just moving into our new apartment in a couple of days, so we're prepping for that. Um, but yeah, it's a really kind of good time to be in
0: Toronto in the summer, and It's
1: been um, beautiful. Yeah.
0: I know that you love to seek out waterfalls. Um, mm-hmm. And that's probably I'm, I'm just going to wager that's a lot easier in British Columbia than it might be in Ontario. How do you feel? So about much that
1: easier. Yeah. <laughs> so much easier. Yeah, we actually, where we were in British Columbia, we lived like a 10 minute walk from a beautiful, huge waterfall. It was like, you know, we were in between the mountain, the coastal mountain range and the ocean. It was amazing. So here I have to get used to beautiful lakes. Yes, that's right. forested hills so that's the <laughs> change in landscape be a
0: passionate hill seeker
1: <laughs> yeah. hill walker yes <laughs> true to my name
0: yeah that's exactly right yeah well i'm kimberly hill so i'm with you there
1: <laughs> here we go together we make hill <laughs> yeah. walker hill walker <laughs> for the new series hill walkers
0: yeah look out for it <laughs> um, i'm excited i know that when i reached out to the group that we're both in and i said who wants to talk about this Subject, you know, I heard kind of a few crickets, a few jokes, and then you were the one that was like, "No, like I can take this on, I can do this." So, um, I'm proud of that, and I'm excited to have you on, and I think it's a really important topic to talk about. So, to kind of kick us off, when I suggested I have this topic on the show, what was it about it that made you say, "Like I can stand up and talk about this"? Like, what? If, how did that speak to you first and foremost?
2: Hmm.
1: Well, I think there were two things for me when you you said that. One is the importance of this topic. I think, um, I think the importance of this topic in men's lives, measured against the amount that it's spoken about in kind of the public sphere and among men themselves, yeah, um, is there's a big gap there. I, I think so. I was kind of excited to hear that you were bringing this up and and assume that. You know, you'd come across this in your own coaching, mm-hmm. um, and so that's the first reason. And the second reason is my own story with masturbation, and also, you know, many many stories and, um, yeah, just kind of observations that I've had on the subject from years of of working with men, both individually and in gr- and in group. So, you know, I have a history of. Um, I got into this work by running men's groups and, and being in men's groups and um, doing work with an organization called Everyman. Yeah. And you know, in these spaces, uh, we would create a safe space where it's okay to kind of talk about whatever was real for you. And this was a subject that came up a lot. So
0: I bet. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it's like you're, you've had experience in it, but also feel called to just talk about it, given like, the fact that it is so taboo. And no one really brings it up. And then when people do bring it up, there's often a lot of humor around it. Yeah, a lot right. of shyness and, and a lot of shame. And it's come up in uh, multiple calls now with men that I coach. And so, mm. so okay, so what's your story? I mean, like, tell me about your, like from obviously a, a male perspective growing yeah. up, what your beliefs and ideas surrounding this were. Share, share it with us.
2: Yeah, you know, where to start? I mean, I I started therapy when I was seven years old, right? I
1: I had a pretty rough childhood behaviorally. I was non-normal. I was diagnosed with all sorts of learning disabilities, and by the time I was a a young adult, like an adolescent, mm-hmm. um, I had a lot of stress. I'd been diagnosed with depression. I was. Uh, taking antidepressants, I was also taking stimulants for attention deficit disorder mm-hmm. and in a very intense social environment, in this big school with um, three thousand students and a lot of pressure <laughs> to to be something right to do something and and so in that state of I think, dealing with a lot of anxiety, um, that's when, you know, kind of that period of uh, going through puberty kind of ended and and I discovered masturbation. Mm-hmm. And then, so for me, what it became was this wonderful relief, yeah. release, right? When when I was feeling pressure or anx- anxious or stressed, um yeah. To like go up in your room and masturbate, my masturbate was a real, you know, it was a solace. It was like a a way for my body and myself to feel good, or even if it was just for a brief period of time, Mm -hmm. right? And I think in my family, it wasn't. I wouldn't say we. It wasn't like a topic of conversation. I don't think my parents were like, you know, um, you know, talking about about this around the dinner table. Maybe we had one or two conversations where my mom actually um had i think she'd been reading some books and doing some research and she was actually encouraging saying you know i remember her saying to me when i was little she was like you know if you touch yourself that's okay Mm -hmm. that's natural um and it's an okay for thing for people to do so i do remember my mom explicitly saying that at a couple different times in my life yeah and that's kind of the message that i got so i didn't have a lot of shame around it that's um and I think that is, you know, I was growing up in the, ni- in the early 90s, right? And, and I think at that time, that was when a lot of this was changing. Because historically, um, especially in kind of a Judeo-Christian background, and certainly in America, this was something that was considered sinful, mm-hmm. right? And I think, if I think back to my parents and their generation growing up, that wouldn't have been something that would have been, anyone would have told them was okay yeah. to do. Right, and so, and I think that the vestiges of that are very much still present in in society in North America and society in North America, yeah. and so there is a kind of conf- I I personally had a kind of a confliction where it was like I had that message and that, that it was okay, So I didn't feel that kind of internal guilt for doing it, which mm-hmm. I know like a lot of men feel.
0: Yeah, they sure do.
1: Right, but at the same time, it wasn't something that was. I felt was like appropriate or allowed to be spoken of or admit to either really amongst my friends or in public or in any kind of normalized way. So it was something to be done behind closed doors and you didn't really talk to anyone about.
0: Yeah. Right. It was secret. Like in your family unit, it was something that you briefly had a message given to you that it's like, okay, it's something you do in private. But then the larger belief was like, oh, but this is something I don't share with anybody it's like a, exactly yeah
1: and and you know the interesting thing also for me was that my father's complete was completely silent mm-hmm. on all of the really any kind of issue regarding sex or yeah. um health or the body or mental wellness this this message came from my mother you know as a woman right. yeah and so it, it is in retrospect interesting to me that that's the way the message was delivered and it was not mentioned or really talked about in any way that stuck in my mind in sexual education in school. Mm-hmm. Um, but I never
0: heard from the man yeah. about oh, it. So, so so should men, should fathers be teaching their sons about it? Well, it's an interesting question,
1: right? I mean, I think it really has to do with how you view masturbation and what its purpose is. Yeah. And so if you talk to a... You know, a psychologist today who's kind of up to speed on the research and in the zeitgeist of their discipline, they're going to say, "Look, masturbation is a natural self self soothing tool. Everyone does it, even if they don't talk about it." I, I was looking up just to, out of curiosity to see some of the statistics. Yeah. Um, 2008, there's this big study, global they called the Global Self Pleasure Report, and um. That study showed that 97, 96% of British men masturbate, 92% of American men masturbate, and more than 60% of all millennials masturbate, men and women masturbate
2: weekly. There you go. Oh.
1: So this is something that's happening, right? And, mm. and your child is going to encounter it. <laughs> you're yeah. going to do it so so yeah so as i think about becoming a father myself and think about these kinds of things i i think yeah certainly you want to take that opportunity to have a conversation to shape a healthy relationship with this
0: because it um, is a relationship it's a relationship right. between you and your body or me and my body that's right right and and i want to just talk about some of the benefits of it and then i also want to talk about where it can go wrong too yes because there's a balance with everything in life there's a yin and yang mm-hmm. and it's not hard to find the health benefits of self-pleasure right you mentioned it already it was a stress reliever for you it is a stress, mm-hmm. stress relief. it can inc- improve our mood it can give us increased energy mm-hmm. um it can actually reduce the risk of prostate cancer <laughs> uh it can improve sleep i think we know that that's one. right right yeah, yeah a lot of men use that as a sleep aid yeah a lot of, a lot of people do yeah, it can actually improve our libidos. Um, and for, for men as well, it can actually help men last longer during sex with their partners. Mm-hmm. Right? So Those are some of the, the common benefits of it.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I'm curious. Th- there's this concept, if you start going down the rabbit hole of researching this and looking into it, there's lots of popular opinions on the topic where they right. consider men and their ejaculation a life force energy Mm -hmm. and there are a lot of people out there including like David Data that talk about you know pleasing your partner and Mm -hmm. kind of holding yourself back from Mm -hmm. ejaculating so what's your thoughts on this where consider this life force energy
1: yeah this is a really important and interesting thing to talk about you know, I'm, I'm, I'm still on my own journey with all of this. Yeah. But part of my journey was that, um, you know, we talked about all the benefits. At 14 years old, I, whenever I think it was probably around 14, maybe a little bit early, started masturbating, right? For all these benefits. Yeah. And by the time I was in my 20s, I would say that I felt masturbation was a problem for me. Mm. I felt like it was something that. I did compulsively. Right. Um, I felt like it was something that um, when I was feeling down or depressed, I would do to the point where um, I would feel really kind of bad about myself. And I, I would also say that it's really hard to talk about masturbation without talking about porn in this day and age. Yeah. Because most, I believe, you know, I haven't actually brought up the statistic on, oh, yeah, I haven't brought up the statistic on this, but three out of four men watch porn, right? And most men, in my experience, start watching porn around that same age when they start masturbating. Mm -hmm. And so in my experience, there's been a big difference between um, masturbating while watching porn, masturbating without watching porn. And then beyond that, it's masturbating compulsively and masturbating consciously. Mm -hmm. And that's been the main distinction that as I've matured, and as I and when in my coaching sessions with my men, when we talk about this, um, we talk about the maturing relationship with the body, yeah, and the moving from an unconscious, compulsive way of touching yourself and pleasuring yourself to a conscious, um, form of like really intentional self care, yeah, and this idea of think you talk about David Dieta and other people um who talk about viewing semen as life force and that sexual energy as life force um i think that's where that comes into play Mm -hmm. is when you start to go beyond the um compulsory kind of carnal like i need a fix into
0: a more conscious way of operating which is like men learning to get in touch with their own bodies which is really important for right well, just like, who are you? Like, what actually makes you feel good? And are you comfortable with your body and yourself? Yeah. Right? They, we talk about, it got talked about more for women, I think, in like the public mm. sphere than it does for men. But like men connecting with themselves in that way, there's nothing wrong with it. In fact, men that know how to please themselves and what feels good and what doesn't, arguably are going to be able to communicate better with their partners in a relationship mm-hmm. when it comes to sex, right? That's right. Yeah.
2: yeah
1: and, and I think there's a fine difference between um, touching yourself from a loving place or from like a, uh, a place of attention and care and luxuriating in, in the gift of, of pleasure that you have by having a body. Yeah. Um, and um, trying to run away from some feeling, yeah. which is what I felt like I was doing by the time I was in my early 20s. I had a really um, powerful experience where I would say my, kind I was, I was in my mid twenties, I guess. And my libido just went away. Right. And it was this shocking kind of experience where, um, with partners that I had, that I had were, you know, I was very attracted to, it just felt like my body didn't work.
0: I've, I've heard it referred to as like, I just felt dead down there.
1: Yes, that's right. Exactly right.
0: Yeah. And it doesn't mean you weren't attracted to your partner no. or like desired them, but like it almost felt like you were disconnected from that part of your body. It's 100% how it felt. Yeah.
1: And it was really, really challenging. And it mm-hmm. forced me to confront a lot of the ways in which my identity was tied up um, in sexual performance, mm-hmm. especially as it related to, to you know, my relationships with my with partners that i had um and so you know this was a really shocking um thing that shook me um and and forced me to start to reckon with some of this stuff and examine my relationship uh with my body and my relationship with masturbation and the relationship of masturbation to porn
2: yeah so, so-
0: a lot of avenues we can go down there. But uh, oh, for sure. And I know it's, yeah. it, it always comes up. And there's some points I want to make on that too. But I think and you can agree or disagree with me. But I think this is where maybe masturbation can go wrong. Yes. Right? Because we talked about the benefits. We know it relieves stress and improves your mood, increases energy, can improve your sleep, even improve your libido. And I, I generally believe it's a healthy thing to do, even when you're in a relationship. We're going to talk mm-hmm. about that too. But mm-hmm. where it can go wrong is if it feels like a need instead of a choice. That's right. Right. Or it no longer feels pleasurable because of pain or numbness or a loss of pleasing sensations.
2: Yeah.
0: Or where it starts to interfere with your ability to have a satisfying sex life with your partner. Right. Or if it's become so compulsive that you actually are struggling to keep up with other responsibilities because of like this, like this, like carnal need to do it all the time. This is where it can go wrong. Right. Mm -hmm. There's always a balance to everything. And what do you feel about the conversation that men and women should be having with one another when they enter into a monogamous relationship? Yeah, this is something mm. that's part of their lives. Should couples talk about it?
1: Yeah, I think 100% you talk about it. I, I think you need to talk about what their relationship is to porn, what their relationship is to mm. masturbation in their own bodies and um and and it's it can be hard right because
2: uh if your partner does things differently than you mm-hmm. there can be a tendency to have
1: judgments right and that's that's where it drives it back into secrecy yeah. and some of the downsides of um of masturbation is get they get to live right they get to live out in secrecy yeah um and yeah and i and i do i know i know several men and myself myself included years ago like where it, it got to a point where it wasn't even something i felt like it wasn't even something i wanted to do anymore mm-hmm. it was like i didn't really want and and the journey out of that what i would call an addictive relationship with masturbation um was a long one right like there was a period where it was like okay i'm like consciously trying to masturbate less but i kind of do it anyway because i don't feel good in my body right and and when that's hidden from from your partner that can create discord Mm -hmm. distrust um and I i think one of the beautiful things is that when we're in partnership we can help each other with these kinds of things that are usually too intimate and too hidden yeah
0: for other people and and for friends, right? Yeah. Well, the the truth is that couples that talk about sex have more sex and better sex. That's just the fact, Mm. (laughs) right? Mm. And so when we're trying to hide these things from each other, it creates that secrecy, which then can cause feelings of jealousy or resentment, or we're avoiding our partners because we don't want them to find out what we're doing. And I know from the female perspective too, that some women don't take it in the right way, depending on mm. what the habit of the, the man in their life is, right? If it's a healthy mm. thing, if it's a, I'm exploring my body, it, part of the time it's going to be a release. If I don't have a, a unhealthy addiction to porn or things like that. Women can also still feel jealous. They can feel insecure because they mm. believe that their partner maybe is dissatisfied with their sex life. Right. um or their concern that their partners no longer interested in having sex with them and just with themselves Th- these are the kind of like on un- sometimes founded and sometimes unfounded thoughts that would go through a partner's mind when maybe they found out find out about their partner's habits there and so mm. i think the truth is when we enter into any relationship with anybody else we got to be honest about like where we are in life and that includes things like our self-love habits or our self-care mm. habits Right.
2: Okay. so yeah yeah. And, and also, you know, the other thing that comes to mind as you say that is there's a, there's a way of, um, yeah, I,
1: I know that there are some couples who actually make it a practice of um, masturbating in the presence of one another. Mm-hmm. And in a presence where it's like, okay, you're in a held, safe place to pleasure yourself. And maybe that part, your partner is there, holding space for you to explore in ways that are non-goal oriented. This is something we work with a lot with um, with men. Is like, is are you are you touching yourself with a goal oriented or engaging with your partner with a, in a goal oriented way? It's like, is it to get to the end? Is it to get a fix? Is it to get to ejaculation? To get to orgasm? Mm-hmm. Or there's another kind of perspective where it's like, are you in a more open mindset? Can it be through exploration, Mm -hmm. feeling the sensations, almost as a meditation? Can you touch yourself?
0: Mindfulness.
1: Right. Can you do this mindfully? And um, my experience is that that can increase the the level of connection. Um, It can then open up doors for your partner to engage with you and your body in ways that are new and uh, feel really good and feel like, oh, wow, we're on this kind of journey together of understanding ourselves more and, le- and, and, and luxuriating in the pleasure of our bodies, which I think is a beautiful human thing to do.
0: Yeah, I agree. There's some really beautiful um, intimacy exercises that partners can do, and some of them start off in a n- kind of non-sexual way where you know we're doing things like 15 minutes of tenderness where you know you're laying next to your partner. You could be fully closed and you're just getting used to it being next to one another and that mm. the comfort of being near one another. And then it can be, you know, a foot rubber, a shoulder rub or an arm rub, just like getting comfortable touching our partners because there are a lot of people that have traumas around touch too. Mm. And so you know it's not always going to be like the idea of masturbating in front of your partner can be like very intimidating (laughs) oh incredibly intimidating completely scary for some people that they just like will completely shut down on the subject so Mm -hmm. it's like well how do you work your way up to that level of comfort because let's be real if we're in a monogamous partnership with someone this should be the most comfortable space that we can be in
1: right right and and if it's not that's also okay but it's something it's an opportunity Yeah, there's an opportunity there to have more trust and more comfort. Like I, you know, I know it. For for many people who maybe maybe many men who didn't get that one or two conversations that messages that I got from my mom, right? Mm -hmm. But maybe who have thought this is a totally sinful thing or totally you know thing that they feel guilty about. Even just admitting that they do masturbate is a step, and I really encourage men to take that step of opening
0: up right? yeah. and, and sharing. Um, yeah, that's taking a big step into vulnerability. for yes. sure. Yeah, that's right.
2: Now, I wanted to
0: go
1: back to this, this question you brought up. You said, you know, when you start doing some of the research, you, you, you start to um, see different points of view on it when, when mm-hmm. um, you know, this kind of masculine sexual energy is viewed as life force. And there are views about how you want to use that or conserve it. So I'm curious from, from your perspective, Kimberly, and like what you've heard and seen with your clients, like what's your, what's your understanding of that viewpoint and how does that affect people's view on masturbation?
0: Well, for me, from the research I've done is what you kind of mentioned earlier. Like, are you being intimate with your partner just because there's a goal is the goal just to get to ejaculation is the goal to just get to orgasm. Because if it is, the question is, are you in the moment are you actually enjoying what's actually getting you to the end right It's not a race. and from what I've read from uh, Dr. Cheryl Fraser, who talks about um his book, oh gosh, it's on my shelf here the Buddha's bedroom there's mm-hmm. like the mindful, loving path to uh, like sexual fulfillment or sexual intimacy with your partner. It's very much about slowing down and then you know david data's book the um Way of the Superior Man talks about men learning to kind of control themselves in a sense that when you're intimate with your woman, it's not all about like you, right? It's not just about mm. you getting to right. orgasm or ejaculation, but learning to kind of slow down and also ravish your woman. Let's be real women typically are going to take longer than men. Mm-hmm. So he talks about having this like a little bit of this control of learning when you're feeling like you're on the edge or about to come or ejaculate to like learn to kind of like take a step down and breathe into it and really experience the moment that you're in uh, because the alternative is a man that having sexual intimacy with his woman reaches ejaculation like, falls over (laughs) next to her and is completely, like, done and exhausted, right? Right. Like the classic
1: Hollywood experience.
0: Right? Yeah, and the (laughs) woman's lying there like, oh, like, amazing. Like, it's almost a test. He talks about it being, like, a test from women. A woman is going to be like, yeah, like, do it. Like, finish. Like, I love you. Like, I'm so glad I make you feel so good. And then he does. And then she's kind of sitting there, like, okay, cool. Like, you're done, but I'm I'm not. So that's where that perspective comes in about, like, can men also learn to be more in the moment and control themselves and understand that like, this is a transfer of energy. Um, and that's where that perspective comes from. Now, my thoughts on that are like twofold. Like Mm -hmm. I think men have a right to pleasure. They have a right to enjoyment. I also do believe that everyone is individually responsible for their own pleasure. Mm -hmm. So if there's something that's happening in a relationship where you're not feeling sexually satisfied, you can't just blame your partner. It also is your responsibility. So I take a more like holistic approach when mm-hmm. I when I get into that kind of information, and I believe that we should all be understanding what makes us feel good and what doesn't, and learning to communicate that mm-hmm. so that we can improve our experience. It's not just for the man to do, hate, mm-hmm. or just for the woman to do. It's like a, it's a it's something you're doing together so talk about it together that's yeah. my thought
2: yeah thank you for sharing i think that's really great um i think the one thing that i'd add to this
1: well i'll share my my background with this after i kind of emerged from my relationship with masturbating masturbation feeling like an addiction and feeling like it was just a quick fix or a fix to mm-hmm. get off um one of the way, actually, one of the ways that allowed me to emerge from that was some of these practices. Mm-hmm. So there's a there's a book called um, it's a very well known book. It's called the way uh, the multi orgasmic man. Have mm-hmm. you heard of this one?
0: No, I don't think
2: so.
1: Yeah. yeah, so the multi orgasmic man. So this this book with this title sort of meant to attract Western men to it, but it actually takes um, Taoist. Ancient Taoist, which is Chinese philosophy. And it takes that wisdom about what you're talking about. So bringing in some discipline into the pleasure experience of men, mm-hmm. about learning some measure of control over your energy. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of really wonderful um, meditations and practices and disciplines in that book that help you as a man learn to work with this what i would call like the fire within you yeah. right this this fire which which can be used in many ways i was i was just reading um this morning actually and this, this philosopher who talks about you know what we know about testosterone is yeah. that it serves two purposes it's for reproduction um so for sex the sex drive right mm-hmm. and it's for protection um, for survival. So the aggression drive, yeah. right? But, so like, you know, have sex with it or kill it, right? Yeah. That's kind of what testosterone knows, right? And so, <laughs> and so what, that's the energy that you're working with when you're working yeah. with masturbation, when you're watching porn, when you have, when you have that fire that you can feel in your belly. And so the, what this book helps you, helps men do is learn to have some more mastery over that energy, Mm-hmm. How do you want to channel that in the moment, whether you're having sex with your partner or whether you're playing sports, whether you're at yeah. work, that there are actually ways to say, okay, I feel a lot of sexual energy right now. I can transform that in my body into something else, into energy that I can use elsewhere. Yeah. This is where people start to talk about channeling your energy in a different way.
0: Use that, like, I'm going to kill you energy for something else.
1: Right. Yeah. Right. Or, yeah, or use the... Um, you know, the sexual energy for drive to get something done, for example, and yeah. so that's been the forefront of my experience with with this, and and in my journey with masturbation has led me there, um, where I've something you said really resonated with me, which is like everyone is different, right, and everyone is responsible for their own pleasure, mm-hmm. and so my message to men who are interested in the subject, maybe struggling with some of, some of that kind of uh, addictive kind of feeling around masturbation or people who have already been through that journey and looking to push it to the next level is experiment, Mm -hmm. right? I I just went through a period of almost two months of complete celibacy, almost as an experiment for myself, really playing with these energies, seeing how it builds up in me, seeing the ebbs and flows of my sexual drive, seeing if I can, as you said, I treat it like a test for my own level of self-mastery. Now that's leaning into the more traditional masculine um, kind of notions of discipline. And, and that can feel really good. And in my experience can actually heighten your pleasure as a man. Mm -hmm. So by having control over your body, by doing some of the working with the diaphragm and the breath and the spine uh, in, in, when you're in intercourse with your partner, you can actually expand and, intensify your own pleasurable experience of 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 sex and in your body and you can do that with a partner without a partner mm-hmm. um and it's different for every person so i really encourage people to explore to expand um, to get a, to talk about this with your coach with your counselor to get one of these books um because there is just such a new realm of possibility mm-hmm that most of us that certainly i was not ever taught <laughs> or ever talked to about
0: well most people just don't know what to think like how you know, would we exactly and i think like the, the the honest truth about any subject is that if we ignore it it never goes away and it never gets better yeah. right so right. as much as it might feel like an uncomfortable subject to raise if you know that it's something, cause you know, right. It's on your mind or it mm. carries a weight inside you. Somehow your body knows that this is something like you're either suppressing or ignoring or feel feelings about, talk about it, deal with it, experiment with it, learn from it. We learn by like doing and also by making mistakes. right? Mm. Yeah. What, what I'm really curious, Devin is, and you explain explained earlier how and I think I put the words on it it's like feeling that disconnection from your body almost like yes. feeling like your desire went away like this, this I call it this deadness feeling mm-hmm. how did you bounce back from that because I imagine there's men listening yeah. that are probably on either side of the dial right now they're either doing it more compulsively as a stress reliever to make themselves feel good in the moment but they might not mm-hmm. have the healthiest relationship with it and then there's men on the other side that are like don't even want to touch themselves or don't even like they just don't have that desire so how did you emerge from that and what was the, the journey there that you could
1: share yeah well so at the time when this happened I was working with a coach my first yeah my first coach and um one of the things that we discovered through several sessions it was just maybe like a six six month period where this was happening to me
2: yeah and I was
1: confused and I didn't know what was happening but one of the things we discovered was that
2: um, I needed well to, I would say two things. one was when I was in my head, then
1: I felt disconnected from my body. yeah so when I was thinking about something and for me it was it had to do with performance anxiety mm-hmm. so I'd be with a woman in my case, right and um, I had this idea that I should be. certain way i should have a certain level of erection i should you know be pleasing someone to a certain extent and as soon as i i through through mindfulness basically and experimentation as soon as i noticed that as soon as i went into my head in that place of worrying or wondering wondering about the other person are they liking this am i good enough here what's wrong with my body you know, what, oh, oh is, is it another big thought? Is it going to happen again? Right. Right. It, it's, yeah. it, there's a, there was a self-perpetuating mm. thing happening. Whereas actually, because that happened once, I got freaked out about it. The more I worried about it in sexual encounters, the less present I was yeah. for the experience. The more disconnected I was from my body, the more likely it was that I would feel dead down there.
0: Yeah, you're just, it sounds like you'd be like feeling just a bunch of anxieties going around in your mind. Right. So yeah. that's
1: the, that was one big thing we noticed, right? It's like as soon as it went up into my head, like my my
2: libido would be gone. Yeah. Okay. So that was one thing. The second thing was intimacy. Mm-hmm. So I I noticed that there was a big difference between um
1: these kind of one night stand or like more casual experiences, people partners that I had. And people that I felt an emotional connection with. I felt that emotional connection. I didn't have these problems as much.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But when yeah, it was deeper. like, or perhaps it, Perhaps it was a more of a feeling of safety or less judgment. That's right. Yeah. So there was less,
1: there was more safety. There's less judgment. But just also a feeling of like, um, my body was activated. And i think i think in me there was this acculturation and this stuff that i think i had absorbed from society and at large where i i thought that i should sleep with attractive women mm-hmm. and like there was some part of me that was identified with that and that being a good thing and you know it kind of if i think about it i go back to the early women in high school that rejected me right yeah. and like what, what are they men? thinking yeah <laughs> no. but but every but I, I i think that most men have this experience where like on some part of your journey growing up you felt like you weren't cool like you weren't wanted by girls or women or good enough
0: or right
1: yeah. and then and then when we come into our our fullness in our 20s and 30s there's still that thread that comes through like oh i still need to prove Myself, I needed like if I could get that girl, right? That those yeah. famous lines and all the songs. Can, can I get the girl? Um, and I think that was coming in, and that was causing me to engage with people that I didn't feel an emotional connection with, right? And so of course, of course, if I don't like, I probably wasn't actually that attracted to these people. I was attracted to the to the image and the fulfillment of my middle Eternal. school dreams. Yeah. Or
0: like what it looked like from the outside.
1: Right. Or what it looked like from the outside. So my body wasn't activating. Yeah. Um, So those are the two things that I discovered. And when I discovered those things, then I could actually employ techniques and make some changes to to shift that. Mm.
0: So. What do men need from women? Okay, so you're in a loving, secure Mm. relationship. And you maybe come from a history of back and forth, uh, relationship with your own body. And I would reckon that a lot of men have, are going through what you're going, are going through what you did go through this, having this performance anxiety or anxieties mm-hmm. in their mind and this like intimacy, am I really connected or am I not? Am I doing this for what it looks like externally or, or, or really what makes me feel good and connected? What can women do to support men in this? Because from my experience, and I'm only me, right? My experience of working with men is when this topic does come up, I know that women aren't always the best in this area. Mm. We are not always the most supportive or understanding or compassionate. We don't really understand that men are also going through issues with their body and sexuality and Mm. masturbation because we're, caught up with our own issues or body images or women that only want to have sex when the lights are off or men, that only, right. So what can women do to support men to at least allow them to feel more comfortable talking about this or, you know, broaching the subject, but what are your thoughts anyway? I, I come from
2: a, school of thought where um, there are a lot of power a lot of the power in in human relationships are
1: in question mm-hmm. and so that's one of the first things that comes to
2: mind is asking the question of your partner how do you feel how do you feel in this moment what do you feel in your body And then really holding space,
1: knowing that the the man on the other end of that question may not have ever asked that question of themselves. Or Mm -hmm. even if they have, they may have never expressed it to someone, so they might not have the words to talk about it. So there's this, there's two things that I think you can do, which, by the way, I would say, also, I would also say, it is not your responsibility as women to do this, but... If you if you want to do this and, and you know maybe you, someone you really care about and love in your life, then I think initiating that question is a really big thing, and then leaving the space and then coming back to it, mm-hmm. right? Because because it, it, especially in the beginning where it's just really confusing and maybe you know your partner is going through all this kind of thing, um, you got to take it in these like bite-sized portions. Yeah. And um, so those are two things like asking the question, holding space for the answer, and coming back to it. I guess it's I think,
0: an element of mindfulness from women as well. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I, and I would also guess most women, if they're in tune, if they're in their bodies, if they're present with their partner, they can feel it. Right? Mm-hmm. You, most of us, if, we're, if we slow down and listen, can feel the person across from us is feeling some anxiety. Mm-hmm where they're feeling troubled. Some of us on the other end get really good at closing, closing ourselves off and having a good poker face. But when you're in intimate situations, you can feel it. So I think there's an element of like women directing their intuition and their sensitivity towards their partner to say, okay, what might be going on for him in this moment? And how can
2: I help bring that up into the light and and in the surface? Mm -hmm. Um, I think the other thing is just, you know, uh,
1: there's a reassurance element that like maybe even if your partner doesn't want to talk about this as stonewalled, you can even just say, I'm thinking about my mother here talking to my like, you know, 12 or 13 year old self, or she's sitting down and having this uncomfortable conversation about touching herself. Mm-hmm. But in that moment, it's like, she comes and she says, Hey, by the way, if this is happening or if this ever were to happen or, you know, it's okay. I'm here for it. I don't feel I w- when when this happens when we're in bed and you lose your libido, I don't feel like you're failing me,
2: mm-hmm.
1: right? Or I- if that's true, right? Yeah. But but I think there's there's a way in which like women speaking to their own experience, what are they feeling in the moments when the when that when the the, the man or the um the partner is kind of like in the thick of it? Yeah, can be a an enlightening thing right it can bust it can bust some of those thought patterns where it's like oh if i'm not performing in bed then this woman doesn't value me or Mm -hmm. i'm not valuable or i'm not a good man
0: yeah yeah that would definitely create a lot of anxiety having those thoughts right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah and before we kind of wind up i want to go back to one other point because you're right when we talk about masturbation porn kind of comes hand in hand with it And I just want to spend a few minutes chatting about that. I think it's important just to approach that subject, although I think that could be a whole other podcast in and of itself. Um, But what are your thoughts on porn and masturbation? And like, where's the fine line in your perspective? Yeah.
1: So I think I'd like to approach this by reading an excerpt from a wonderful Therapist, relationship therapist, Esser Perel.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: And um, I think this was in maybe a blog post where she was answering a question that someone was asking about porn. And, And she said this. She said, when you spend multiple years watching porn, you develop a particular arousal template. Porn is an intensely visual turn on, but it's also external. And it's all served right there in front of you. High intensity, low emotion. It leaves little room for your own imagination to be activated. And hence, there's often a confusion between arousal and desire. Mm-hmm. And I think what she's speaking to there is that um, when we watch porn, because it's such a visual, visual, ex- intense visual experience. Yeah. Um, it is to, to a degree training your, your body, training your arousal. Right. Saying this is the level of intensity that you need in order to be aroused. Yeah. And so that's what she talks about. She says like a, a arousal template. Mm-hmm. I mean, what are the conditions that need to be in place for me to be aroused? And we can train that, and we can make that more subtle, such that you know a glance or you know this brush of a fingertip on an arm can can cause arousal. Mm-hmm. Or you can make that template more gross. Such that you need, you know, a very powerful visual stimulus, like porn, to make that. And so that's, I think, it's a really wise distinction. And um, when I started to become aware of that, I felt like the the way that I was using porn. And don't get me wrong here; I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with porn in and of itself. Yeah, I'm not thinking that there's there's lots of very positive, you know, elements of it, Mm -hmm. but. For me, in my experience, I felt like the way that I was using porn was desensitizing me. Yeah. Um, so that I was when in these real life experiences or even like in foreplay experiences, my body
0: wasn't responding and it, its arousal template wasn't being met. Yeah. It's like a threshold. We're creating a threshold for ourselves. And and I agree. I think porn can be a great way to increase and release sexual arousal. but. Mm-hmm you're right, there's a caveat here, it can become problematic for those who find they're addicted to it or, or have created such a high threshold that when porn is not involved, they're struggling to feel connected or aroused or desire their partner, right? That's mm-hmm. when you recognize that that maybe is becoming an unhealthy tool for you. Yeah,
1: right. Yeah. And so, And so one of the practices that I now recommend with for men who are dealing with this, and I practice myself, is just really um, divorcing porn and masturbation for a yeah. while. Yeah. And, so, and, and that, for, for men where those two things have been fused since the time that their mind was, de- their, their prefrontal cortex was still developing, like that's a, that can be a revolutionary thing. Yeah. Um, and when you start, and then when you start masturbating without porn and you get to a point where your arousal template has relaxed a little bit, and is becoming more sensitive but then you can start to step into some of these other realms that we've talked about yeah. um but yeah i do think i do think we as a general rule it's important to be aware of any kind of strong stimulus that you're sending to your body because our brains are like sponges in a way yeah. and and so what is what are the underlying messages that are being communicated um, and being selective about the porn that you watch, right? So, what are the underlying messages of the porn that you watch? There's a whole smorgasbord of anything you can think of. Yeah, um,
0: yeah. yeah. And it's like a, a getting. Are you going more or further and further down the scale as time goes on? Right. It's like any kind of addiction, like drugs. You know, do I need more and more to feel the same high? Right. Right. That's, that's
1: right. Yeah. Do you need Do you need something new and different and more more intense? um because that also is a natural progression of things yeah um but I, I i do think for for people for men especially who are interested in in uh deepening their pleasure deepening their sense of connection with the partner uh, making creating a more sens- sensitive arousal template is 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 a really really good
2: place to start
0: yeah i agree for sure Devin, this has been awesome. I genuinely appreciate you coming on and talking about this. And I, I think there's so much more to unpack here, but I'm, I'm just glad we were able to produce a awesome show that I think is going to be super valuable for people. I'm learning things today. It's reinforcing positive things for me, just chatting with you about it, really getting my mind thinking as well about my life, and my relationship, um, if for some reason people listening are saying, maybe it's time that I talk about this, or maybe it's time that I reach out to someone about this. Um, I know that you could be that person. Uh, yes. I know there's lots of other people out there too that would talk about this, but where can people reach out to you? Is there is there a particular place you want to send people today?
1: Yeah, so you guys can find me on my website, deeplightcoaching.com. And um, on there, there's a form where... It's kind of like a a brief form for people who who are interested in coaching. And if you mention the podcast in that form, um, I'll I'll give you guys a free session, and we can just talk chat about whatever it is that you're working through. Perfect. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's that's the best way to find me. And it's a great timing because I'm actually now that I'm landed in Toronto, I'm opening up five more
0: uh, coaching spots now that I'm in one place for a while. So perfect. So. Yeah. There you guys, that's your push if you need it. If this is something that has been troubling you or stressing you, or it's been something you've been just pushing down and ignoring, maybe now is the time to reach out to someone like Devin and actually have that complimentary chat and see where it takes you. Because the truth is, if we just ignore these things, um, we never get any progress on them. So Mm -hmm. thank you again. Uh, Obviously I'll have that website link in the the description of the uh, podcast. Uh, Thanks everyone for tuning in and listening. And I look forward to bringing you another episode next week. Mm -hmm.